0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the 99%. My name is Jesse Vandercheck and I'm here with Marilyn.
1: Hey guys, happy to be here. You can find everything with me at ec.coach.
0: Um what's going on Marilyn? Uh, looks like you got some some bike racing on your radar.
1: Yeah, the, the fall, you know, it's starting to come into the uh, a little bit cooler weather in Tucson. And so our season here on the bikes is broken up into the spring and the fall. People don't really do a whole lot through the summer <laughs> with local racing, unless they travel, of course. And so the fall bike racing season's about to kick off and, and get going. There'll be, you know, the the Chino Grinder, that's the one drug jesse out on that course one time for training which was a hoot and that's a gravel race and then um yeah there's some local you know the state road race and some crits and those kinds of things coming up as well as i threw myself my hat in the mix for the six hour time trial that's out in borrego springs uh there's a six hour 12 hour 24 hour it's the world championships for that and i'm gonna go and do the six hour so something different something new i've got some targets in mind and uh just yeah something to train for
0: awesome i like it
1: yeah and you're going um, to race this weekend too right
0: yeah yeah i'm i'm racing this weekend uh triathlon xl uh by the sounds of things you've been here before
1: yeah when you said that r- before we started recording it was like i'm going to girard mirror to to race in xl i got super excited because the history of that that used to be iron man france and iron man was iron man france was there and then iron man changed it and you know it was nice was the long course race gerard Meyer was iron man they swapped it out where you know gerard Meyer became this xl brand that hosts a bunch of odd distance long course races and iron man france went to nice and so that, if you look it up way back, is where Ironman France used to be. And I loved racing there. It was, it's such a great course. The people there are amazing. The town is great. That bike course is hard as heck. Um, I had That's where I had my most probably memorable epic race was at that race where I ran shoulder to shoulder with Sophie Delamar for like half the marathon. And uh, ended up second to her. So that's, I'm super excited. You get to go see that course. It's It's cool.
0: Yeah, I know. We're pumped. It's actually like it's only like a two hour drive from where we are right now. Um, so, so, yeah, we're renting a car this weekend and uh, packing the family up and, and heading up there to check it out.
1: Cool. And I was saying to Jesse before is that, that I'm sure it's changing now. Obviously, a lot of water into the bridge and years <laughs> have gone by. But it used to be that there's the, the, the swim start we ran in and there was a dock. And the dock had carpet on it. But if you just so happen to get on a piece of the dock that didn't have the carpet, oh, my God, it was like an ice skating rink. And you would eat shit so fast. It was just like, poof. <laughs> so I'm sure it's changed since then and it has been a lot of time. But go check out the dock to make sure it doesn't have moss <laughs> on it. if That is at all still there and part of that race.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I will be checking that out uh, Saturday before the race just to, so I know I'm getting myself into Oh, yeah. um so yeah thanks thanks for the pointers <laughs> Yeah, um, the,
1: the pointer that might not matter
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> um and yeah since we last talked there's been a fair amount of racing there's been some some pto races uh obviously a ton of local stuff but the maybe the bigger race for for us as coaches and us to kind of follow along was uh the iron man 70.3 world championships
1: yeah pretty cool right
0: yeah, it's always, I don't know, I think it's, it's cool to see that kind of moving around and being a success. And um, I don't know, I, from the people I coach and know that race there, it seemed like it, it went really well logistically. And everyone had like, uh, you know, a pretty good race there, all things considered. I mean, you know, there, there was some rain, but that's kind of to be expected for this time of year there, right?
1: Eh? Yeah, a little crowded on the course was some of the feedback that I got on the bike course. Uh, I think, can expect that with these events you know i think most of them are pretty crowded now so being prepared for that that was sort of the one one thing um but other than that i agree i heard you know really positive things about the venue and how the race went and it's exciting to see it give it different opportunities to different styles of racers and you know different weather you know different different types of courses that kind of thing and you could really see you know is the the german onslaught on the men's race and the men's pro race is just like you know and maybe typically you know not all germans but if you're used if you train and race in germany you're often used to the cold and so maybe that's a favor for you versus if it was somewhere hot so you know these little factors come in and it's you know exciting and cool to see that kind of thing
0: yeah and um to, to the course being crowded too, it is, it is tricky when you're putting that many people on roads that are like, you know, maybe six feet wide. And uh, and so, yeah, you get a lot, it, it can feel a lot more crowded than, you know, maybe a race on an American road if they have the road closed and you have four lanes and it's kind of giant. This, those roads are narrow. And, um, and yeah, I think that, you know, the, the course didn't look that bad on paper as far as elevation gain or anything but it definitely, it had a fair amount of role to it and kind of a rolling course on in the rain, on narrow roads where like you can't really see up the road where you kind of like through the forest and everything. I think it just kind of played to the hand to people that kind of, you know, know how to ride a bike well in situations like that, which, you know, tends to be, you know, people that ride in Europe that are used to small roads used to, you know, not riding on flat roads and, and really being able to uh, use power appropriately on the hills. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why you saw, like, you saw some of the normalized power for some of those guys that went really fast. It was really high. I think part of that was them kind of using the hills to their advantage and kind of riding them well, and then really help them, you know, to ride away from everyone, like kind of, kind of showing off that kind of uh, European skill set that. That Americans don't have, and um, I, I, I don't want to blanket say no. No Americans have that. I don't. I but you know, it's just it's harder to get in America because the roads are just you know not like that as um, as much. Um,
1: Wasn't didn't, so, yeah. didn't Lionel Sanders or someone get they got dequeued for the imaginary middle line?
0: Yeah, that was. Wasn't there uh, some that's there some a,
1: kind of a, kerfuffle around that? Do I have that
0: right? I, yeah, no, you just that's perfect, and it's it's not a rule. I, so I don't really understand what was going on. That it seems like the official just made something up, and it's gave him.
1: You cross the imaginary center line, the imaginary. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and if you let's try and think that this official has the best interest in mind. Everyone is supposed to ride to the right, if not passing, and. Find the sounds of things lionel's passing a group of people so he had to go pretty far left and so he probably didn't appear to be staying to the right at all but he's probably going significantly faster than the people that he's passing and so he was trying to be safe and you know it, but bottom line is it was just a it was a pretty bad call and it's always unfortunate when there's people's like kind of livelihoods on the line there to see calls like that being made um so yeah that that the was longest pretty unfortunate to
1: travel from america and yeah like you say it's someone's livelihood it's like whew, geez
0: um but and but, i mean hats off to taylor Nib, kind of proving me wrong on everything i just said by being an american who just absolutely destroyed the bike course and the run course uh in the women's field so yeah good for her
1: yeah yeah she's definitely stepping up and proving to be one to beat that's for sure
0: yeah um but yeah, it, it seems like it was a fun race to be at. And yeah, um, ex- except the whole rain part again. I don't really love racing in the rain, but good, <laughs> good job to everybody that did that well. Right. Um, but on to the business of today. So today we are going to talk about fatigue. And we're going to talk about kind of like athletes relationship with fatigue and what you how you feel about it how you how you overcome it and i guess how you interact with it as in like wh- what amount of fatigue is okay what amount of fatigue is okay for you and then also like what amount of fatigue is okay for you at various times in your training and i guess by that i mean like i'm racing on saturday and it is right now wednesday and i cut a session short today because I felt a little bit tired and like, it it just didn't feel great. And so I, I, I chopped an hour off my ride and that's because my race is really soon. So like my timeline to when I need to be fit is, is really short. It's like three days. So it's like that, that amount of time I have to come out from under my fatigue right now is really, is really short. And so I, I don't really have much wiggle room, I'd rather be a little fresher right now, but that three-day window is like it's kind of a rare situation, and I think we want to make sure we're not applying that to every point in time. Um, so, yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about fatigue and and uh, how to how to dig through it with you.
1: Yeah, you know, there's so many. I think this is such an important conversation because there's so many tools out there. You know, you've got all the things that you can use to monitor fatigue, you know, in training peaks, they've got the chronic chronic um, fatigue load and, you know, the daily, and, um, you know, you can see it over your, over the annual as well. You know, you've got things like the Oura Ring, you've got your Garmin, you've got all of these things that will give you, you know, whoop all of those things that are telling you all of these data points and numbers as far as how you're doing and how you're managing how you're managing as far as fatigue and freshness and those kinds of things. And we all know, so the, the, you know, those are helpful and useful to some extent, but they also can be misleading. And probably one of the most common things I get from athletes in their training logs is I'm tired. Right. And so I think a person's relationship with that, that phrase, I'm tired is what does that mean specifically, and where is it coming from, and is it appropriate for what where you're at in your training and towards the event that you're going to, and and what is your relationship with fatigue as far as your experience level, and then also who you are as a person with how you manage fatigue, because for some people, and I guess to be even more clear about that, is that for some people, they they don't have a good barometer of what fatigue feels like they have a strong ability a lot of experience they put themselves through a lot they have a relationship with fatigue that is they really embrace it they really almost can push over the edge very easily and then you have other athletes and people who maybe fatigue feels scary to them and it's very new sensations that is unfamiliar and then they're getting all this feedback from data, and they're maybe getting different feedback from their body, and things are happening in tr- different training sessions that they're not sure is good or bad, and they don't quite understand whether this is okay or not. Like, is, That's sort of the, the main question I get from athletes is, I'm tired, and we got to figure out like how tired, why, where is it coming from, and is this okay right now? And so that is, a, I think, the art of coaching, and a really important piece that you know, gadgets can't—they can't really tell you. They can help you, and but it's not—it's not the whole picture. And you really need an outside view and experience from a coach, knowing an athlete, like, hey, this is okay or this is not okay. And and I think these are all the things that we really want to dive into for people to help them navigate this.
0: Yeah, I think one of the most important questions is the one you just asked is like, where is this fatigue coming from? And like, what else is going on in your life right now? Are there, are there other stressors going on? You know, did you just get a bad night of sleep? Cause your daughter woke up seven times. Um, and that's, you know, where, where is the fatigue coming from? And then you can kind of figure out if it's like, Hey, this is, you know, one acute instance, or this is like starting to become some chronic fatigue that you have to shed because, you know, if it's like, you have one bad night of sleep and you're tired the next day for your workout, but you know that your situation is such that you can now get better sleep, then it's probably okay. You can just, you know, drink an extra cup of coffee that day, kind of plow through, try and go to bed early and get back on track. And that's like, you know, one of those acute instances where it's like, yeah, that's, that's manageable. Um, And, and so, yeah, I think really separating it out, like, and is this something you can push through? Or is this something that needs to be adjusted? Um, Do you have any, any kind of like any go-tos for that conversation with, with an athlete as far as like, how do you make that call? Um, And maybe it's not like an in the moment call. Maybe it's like a, Hey, it's the end of the week. Um, Do we need to scale things back or are we like good to keep going? You know, is, is this fatigue okay or not? Do do you have a, yeah. Do you have a conversation that you have with an athlete or how do you help kind of navigate them in that decision? Yeah, it's a, it's
1: a lot of conversations. Right. I mean, exactly. Fatigue can be coming from a lot of different places. And, you know, it's not necessarily that, you know, if if you're not let's say you're not getting sleep because of circumstances within in your life or there's work stressors or. For example, a really big thing here in Tucson through the, through the summer, everybody's exhausted all the time because we're getting up at four, four thirty in the morning every day. Um, we're out in the heat, really killing ourselves every day. And so between the heat and the lack of sleep, you know, people are pretty worn out and tired. Now, do you just push through that and train hard anyways? Well, there's a certain amount that you just simply can't, you know, and you have to pull back the training a little bit because it's exhausting and really depleting to be getting up that early and training in you know, 105 plus every single day. Now, is your fitness going to take a hit for that? Are you able to actually get in what was your ideal conditioning for an event or something like that with those circumstances? The answer is probably, it's probably a pretty big juggle, right? Or if not, maybe for some people, not even possible. Because if you have to keep pulling back, So there's a certain amount of fatigue that is necessary for getting fit, right? That's, we, we know that as far as even just as, as visual and as simple as a graph, you know, training load is meant to make you tired and you are going to feel, you know, burning in the legs. You are going to feel tired when you wake up, you might not see your best numbers in your training. It might even take a hit where it's below, slightly below what you're expecting, but within range, right? And So you might be feeling all of these things. And if you're getting to a point where other stressors like lack of sleep or heat or maybe some dietary choices or stress in life is forcing you to back down that training more and more, you're not necessarily building the fitness that you need. So there's that decision making like, okay... I'll be watching and saying, well, this is an appropriate amount of fatigue for the amount of work that we're doing. This is necessary right now. You should be feeling this. Those sensations you're feeling are perfectly normal and perfectly okay. Keep going. If they're not okay, if, if someone is, their numbers are completely tanking, you know, you're starting to see over a course of three to five days where all of their numbers within their training are lining up with their notes of saying how tired they are, then that's when we'll say, okay you probably need a day or two where we pull it right back, maybe a full rest day and a recovery day and another easy recovery day, and then we can get back to work. So, you know, maybe a 48 hour, 72 hour reset button. So I think it's a big conversation, right? It's like, is this a necessary amount of fatigue for the training that we need to work towards your goals and improvement in an event? And is it okay? Because the numbers are still lining up. You're still able to get the sessions done. No, they're not lifetime best PRs and nor should they be at that time. And maybe you're feeling a couple little, yeah, you know, a little bit of niggles here and there. Your qu- your muscles are a little bit sore. Um, you know, Sleep is a, a little bit disruptive, but not too bad you know, if we're able to keep kind of ticking it off and getting the sessions done, then that's okay. And, but if it gets to a point where three to five days, those numbers are really starting to tank, well, then that's something that we need to address and pull it back before it goes too far off the cliff. How about you? What kind of things are you looking at in conversations you're having?
0: Yeah, you know, I, um, I do much the same where I like to look at kind of where we're at in, in the training cycle. And if it's like, you know, if if it seems like the fatigue is where it should be so that when we get to the end of, say, that block, the little bit of recovery time that's built in will be enough to freshen them up. And, um, and yeah, that is kind of what you're talking about, where if they're staying within the appropriate ranges, maybe they're on the lower end of those ranges, maybe they're not happy with being on the lower end of those ranges, and that's a whole other conversation. But there's a kind of, like, you know, within the the – Kind of accepted value of whatever it is, like say 10%. And you're like, okay, you, things are ticking along, you're tired, but it seems like that once we do, um, you know, a recovery week or a recovery couple of days at the end of this block, it's going to freshen you up. And as long as I, I think that's going to happen and they think that's going to happen, then, you know, we're kind of moving in the right direction and it's kind of fatigue that we can float. Like, you know, TSS is looking good, all the numbers are, are lining up pretty well. Um, then Then I say, yeah, like we can kind of, keep rolling strong and um but i and i totally agree with like if there's a chunk of time where things are just not going well if you know, one bad day happens even two bad days you know especially again if you talk to him and there is some sort of outside stressor involved then it's like okay you had a couple of bad days we're gonna keep staying the course because you know this is set up for like a certain time for you to be fit and we want to kind of maintain But if it gets to be three or four bad days, if there's a pattern and if it just seems like things are going progressively the wrong direction and, you know, like things are getting just a little bit too hard where, you know, they're starting to complain about like the little things like, man, like, you know, getting up in the morning and walking to the coffee pot was, was hard. And I had to pour myself three extra cups of coffee just to get out the door and, uh, you know, my significant other is getting really angry with me all the time. I'm getting super snappy. You know, that yeah, you know, if things are getting a little bit too down that rabbit hole, then it's like, yeah, uh, we, you know, either we've pushed a little bit too hard, or uh, there's some other stressors involved that are that are digging this hole a little bit too deep, and it no longer feels like the recovery that we initially had kind of planned is going to be enough to dig you out of this hole and you know give you the growth that we're planning on, and this is just going to be too much stress then it's time to yeah like figure out what the best plan of action is to get you out of that hole but but i do agree that like you want to take some early kind of immediate action if you're if you're starting to spiral down too far and and you want to kind of get them to a place where they're actually able to stress themselves enough to to see that growth because you know once you get to a point where you're too far down then you're like you know trying to do your threshold sessions and you know you're like less than 80 percent a threshold then it's like what you're not achieving the appropriate result anymore so we just need to pull back let you freshen up a little bit so that you can actually kind of come hit the target you need to hit in order to get the growth we want to get you to uh be in a better place
1: and people's relationship with fatigue is so uh it's an emotional thing right when you're new to the sport it can feel really scary there's sensations that you come across that you think is this normal like am i okay I get people with that, you know, they're legit. They've never experienced anything like that in their life. And now they're an endurance athlete and they're trying to learn and navigate how, what some of these sensations that they're having and the things that they're experiencing, like, is this normal? Is this okay? And that's where a coach is really important because they've, you know, they've been through it themselves. And then they've seen, you know, hopefully if they're an experienced coach, hundreds and hundreds of athletes and and data and worked with a lot of athletes know like, yes, this is perfectly okay. You're just learning what this feels like. Your body is adapting to this. You're getting used to it. This is necessary. That that barometer is going to move over time, right? And then it, you get down the track far enough. And if you're working with athletes where some of them are so experienced and they really enjoy that feeling of fatigue that then they're compromising actual improvement because they're so attached to the feeling of fatigue so there's the two ends of the spectrum right that you have to coach people through it's like the first one is people who are new or have some fear with fatigue and teaching them like that's okay that's normal that's expected and it you're you're barometer of pushing that little ledge forward is going to chip away more and more and more. and, And that's part of the process of getting better and getting stronger. And then there's those athletes who have, like they've experienced a lot. They have a high tolerance, number one, usually, and they have a huge work rate and they maybe really enjoy that feeling of fatigue. And they're pushing for that feeling so much all of the time that then when it's not there, they panic and they don't really know how to manage that. And they never give themselves the opportunity to go into to a new, um, a new level of maybe let's say intensity or something like that to, in order to make the next steps of improvement. So there's, there's a lot to navigate for coaches as far as encouraging people. And there's, mentally and emotionally so much attachment for athletes to those sensations and, and what's going on with them you know and, and sometimes it can even be them managing some some personal stuff as far as like the the ones that are a little attached to the fatigue you know they you have to also navigate through that which those you know all of the data that we get as helpful as it is is not going to help you with that and so as coaches we need to have those important conversations and say hey i know that you really feel like you need to do this but you actually need to pull back a little bit so that then we can do x y and z which is going to improve your performance overall um in your long run and and um you know for other people might be yeah your garment is going to tell you that you need 82 hours of recovery every time you work out because you're new to this you know and and it's new for you and so you got to just like ignore that and, and be okay with that and just say like that's actually not accurate you're just very very new and we need to just keep you know keep putting one brick on top of the other and and building that fence up
0: yeah I uh I remember like the first couple times I did this shootout and I just go home and lie on my kitchen floor and be like I'm not going to be able to make it to work on Monday and it's like Saturday at noon it's like (laughs) like eating cereal while lying on my floor. Like, there's no way I'm too tired. I am not going to be able to get off this floor when Monday rolls around. And yeah. then, you know, just cause I was so new to like that level of fatigue. And so it is, it can definitely be a scary thing and it can definitely take kind of some getting used to and some adjustment and, and some realizing that it actually is okay. And, you know, it turns out I was fine. I actually went for a run the next day and like made it to the shower that night, even, and and so yeah, that is definitely um definitely a learning curve and understanding what what fatigue is is okay. And and yeah, I mean I think especially yeah, in the beginning, it can be a lot more than than you probably think you can handle. That line's probably pretty far away. And so yeah, it is kind of fun, especially when you are new, to kind of like explore those boundaries and, and see what that feels like. And,
1: and, I mean, and you know, learning how to run on tired legs. I mean, I have to explain to new people all the time, like, hey, this is actually part of Ironman is you need to learn to understand how to manage running on tired legs, because at no point ever in an Ironman, are you ever going to be running on legs that feel like this is I feel bouncy and springy and like I can do my best PR. It's like, it's the exact opposite. Like you, your legs are trashed. And your heart rate's low and your legs are trashed and your joints hurt. And like, you still got to be able to run pretty decent. And so learning what that feels like and how to manage that and what the pacing for that actually feels like, like that's, that's part of the skill of learning how to race an Ironman. Well, so, you know, I get it all the time. I put people through a really hard, you know, ride on Saturday and they go to the long run. And they're like, Oh, I'm tired. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. That's the point. High, high five. Like, you did
0: it right exactly
1: you need to be tired for this session because you think it's it's hard after a meal and a night's rest you're going to be doing this after the swim and then the bike and then right away just one little t2 and you're out there on these marathon legs so you you know you better start to be familiar with that and learn how to manage that pretty well so sorry i kind of interrupted you but that's that you know made me made me think of that it's like that's you know something that i hear all the time it's like oh i started my long run and i'm tired or you know that bike really beat me up and i'm tired and it's like yep exactly <laughs> and then they might think i'm being a bit of a hard coach but yeah i am being a bit of a hard coach in that regard it's that they, this is necessary actually that's one of those necessary ones
0: yeah no i couldn't agree more it's uh it's definitely a different thing to to run on fresh legs versus tired legs and um I feel like in general, my legs feel like I've gone through a meat grinder at most of the point in an Ironman, and you just got to kind of to figure out how to deal with that.
1: It's also really important for pacing, right? I mean, people, if they now, don't get me wrong, there are times when athletes need to run on fresh legs for hitting certain numbers or bike on fresh legs for hitting certain numbers. Like I talked about the ones that are maybe too attached to the fatigue feeling and, and we need those higher numbers to move physiology wise, you know, things forward. However, then there's the other side where it's, yeah, we need, you need to actually learn how to manage what it feels like and what your pace truly is on tired legs. Because people, that's when they set themselves up when they come up with a race plan. They've always done all of their long runs really fresh and feeling great. And then they get into their Ironman and their paces are a lot different than what they've been used to. And the sensations are a lot different. And now they're very confused why they're not running as fast. Well they didn't practice their sport. Right? You gotta practice running on tired legs. That's a that's a huge part of it. So
0: Yeah, I mean it's I was uh I was having a, a chat with another coach today. We we're talking about an athlete that only does, you know, 70% of their training plan. And and just that is that, you know, they're going into a lot of the sessions just a little bit fresher than was kind of intended. And so they they feel pretty good on those sessions and they go pretty well, but then maybe they take some extra time, some rest days or whatever in between. And so they're always kind of hitting the sessions pretty fresh, never, never getting some of that cumulative stress they need to get some real growth and then show up at races and just kind of that slight underperformance where, you know, they're tired by the end of the race and they can't go as fast. And it's just that they they have never practiced being under that much load because they're kind of like skipping just enough sessions because they're just a little bit tired. And then they, they never kind of feel what that's like to say, Hey, I've got, you know, this pile of stress on me and I, I'm learning how to push through it. And, and yeah, that is, if you're unsure about that, I think it's definitely a good thing to talk to your coach about because it's, you know, there are a lot of points in your training where you need to practice that and you need to figure out like, Hey, how do you move efficiently when you are this tired? And, and that's, that's likely the point in a lot of these sessions. So if you're kind of skipping the the sessions that are giving you the necessary fatigue to actually hit the other sessions appropriately, then you're kind of just doing yourself a disservice.
1: Yeah. And it's so tricky, right? Because, because we are you know, like I say, it's such a good thing, but it's also a tricky thing with all of the data is that it's very, very hard. People say, well, you can look at, you know, training stress score and that kind of stuff. The problem is, is that not necessarily every single swim has a very accurate training stress score. What about the gym work that you're doing? And unless you download every single ride and every single run and it's, you know, you've got pace and power and every every data point you're absolutely you know just diligent about downloading every little thing but then how do we you know you can you can guesstimate some training stress scores on swims but not necessarily are they always accurate um it's a little bit of a guesstimate and then what about weather you know life stress kids um if you're a social person and you drink any kind of alcohol, sleep, all of these things are very hard to account for. And they all play a factor in how tired you are. You know, do you sit at a desk all day? Is your job very active? Um, That's not going to be plugged into your, into your, you know, training peaks. And so those are things that are important to take on board and say like, okay, how much can we how much training can we do? Because training is the main thing. You got to, you got to train hard to make improvements and how much you can do and how much you can handle is going to determine how much better you get. And so, you know, if you're not able to do that and you have to pull pulled back, that progression just might take a little bit longer, you know? So it's, it's, it's sort of simple that way, as far as like, if you can do more and you can recover really well and you can train hard a lot, you're going to get better, faster than someone who's (laughs) going to have to rest more. Maybe they've just got more unfortunate circumstances in their lives or they can't handle as much and that's okay. It just might take you a little bit longer. So I think understanding that as well, you know, and, and I remember way back people used to get, I used to train with some amateurs that they got really mad at the amateurs that had more of a flexible life and they said, well, they could train almost full time. So they're never tired and they can train a lot. Well, you can't really get mad at those people. They've set their life up that way and, and, you know, it's lucky for them and maybe you're not in that position for now and you do the best you can with what you have and then realize, okay, how where. How can I you know where am I at as far as how much I can train and what my boundaries are how much fatigue overall in my life and my training can I handle and still be functional and and a you know functional part of my family and my work and still achieve my goals so those are all you know they're really important conversations to have with your coach and um and what's okay and what's not and you know you're talking about the first time you did the shootout I think the real you know for me. I started out in calgary where i started you know the first time i rode my bike every day i was like oh wow that's exhausting you know the first time i ever did that i rode my bike you know six days a week i was like oh wow and then i got used to that and adapted to that and then you know time went by and the first time i ever went to a big training camp you know the first time i went to one of those big epic camps and we did this ridiculous amount of training over two weeks and i thought i mean some of those runs i was just crawling, nearly walking, thinking like almost like I had the giggles. I was so tired, but you know, it was fine. And, and I, and I survived and I learned that I was okay and I could handle that amount in that environment. Could you do that all the time? No, you know, that's not realistic all the time. There is a line and there's a time and place for those things and an overload period. And then you bring it back. So, so yeah, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I think all important things to, Talk about and things I feel like I'm saying on a repetitive basis over and over again to a lot of athletes as they learn their relationship with fatigue and what it means to them and and where that's driving their training and and reaching their goals.
0: And let's just go back to that that overload period you're talking about. Like in your case, it was Epic Camp, but I, I assume you had that set up at some point so that you know it was a period of time in your training where you weren't trying to race a week later. You had like a little bit of,
1: yeah, yeah, you know what? You were were kind of looking at each other. It was was interesting because that was obviously when I was very new in the sport, and I'd never done anything like that before, right? Like I'd never done that amount of training, and so it was a two week. It was actually kind of like a three week period where it was a a lot, a a huge increase. Let's say I was doing between 12 and 13 hours as a new triathlete at at home. I go for three weeks to this, you know, camp environment and all of a sudden bumped up to, it was somewhere in the 35, 40 hours a week for about three weeks with a race in the middle there. Obviously just a, a, a crazy amount. Then I went home, had a little bit of recovery, trained for another three weeks at a moderate amount. And then I went and raced and I raced really, really well. Uh, So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge amount of time. It wasn't like it was six months away from what I did when I went to my race. It was fairly close. Now that, I think that might've been unique to me and in particular that I was so new to the sport and I was willing to get that tired too. So there's a willingness to get that tired, whereas other people, that's another part of this conversation when they get to a point where it is more than what they is appropriate for them, you know, their life, how they feel about things. They might say like, this is just, this is more than what I'm willing to do. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I was trying to race professionally and win races. And so I had to be willing to get pretty tired to do that. So that's another important conversation to have with your coach is like, Are your goals in line with what you're willing to do? And I think that was a, a, when we had our podcast with Scott Molina, you know, he sat me down in the start and said, what are you willing to do? If you want to win a race, what are you willing to do? And, and that's what, that's what, if you're, if you're committing to that, this is what that's going to look like. And this is what it's going to mean. And I was willing to do that. So, um. Yeah, there's you know there's lots of little important conversations, coaching conversations, and training conversations around this topic.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I guess sorry, just circle back to this is that you still had three weeks to kind of like un to unbury yourself from the pile of stress that was three weeks long. So you had like almost an equal amount of time, and I know you kept training, but like you know, you you could have you know backed off training or whatever, adjusted it. And that would definitely be enough time to kind of like get yourself out from under that three weeks of, of overload. Eh? Absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 And three- I, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the important thing is is I'm trying to get out there is that I think that people looking at the timing of their fatigue is pretty important and, and really paying attention and, and knowing that at certain points in their training, like they should be really tired and, or like as tired as they're willing to get, and that it makes sense because then they're going to have hopefully like a taper or or whatever else, or like a a deload period. And so, yeah, kind of paying attention to that timing and, and knowing when is a good time to say, Hey, like I feel tired now, but you know, this makes sense. And, and being able to lean into that. And, um, and yeah, like know that they most likely will get a little bit of recovery after that in, in order to, to grow from that experience. It takes a lot
1: of confidence, right? You know, to when you're in that stage that you're talking about there, takes a lot of trust and confidence that it's going to be okay. And <laughs> right. Because have yeah, you have yeah. been in that state where you're like, Oh man, I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not nailing any of these workouts at the high end. I'm not, I, you know, I feel really bad um, you know, there's all of these things that you're experiencing. And then it's one thing to say, like, you know, you can hear us say over and over again here as coaches, like, it's okay, you're going to be okay. But like, that takes a, a huge amount of trust and confidence. And and it's good to recognize that, like, hey, I just need to be confident in this, that I'll be just fine. I will, like you just said, that the, I've, I'm going to have that block of recovery following this. And I will, you know, then see a new, Lift in performance and fitness, and that's even if you you know people want to get really um if they do download everything and they're very diligent about that stuff, they can even see that you know when you look at like you know training load and the fatigue and then as the fatigue comes down, the fitness line comes up and it's a balancing act between making sure that that fitness line doesn't dip down too low as their fatigue as they're freshened you know as the fatigue comes goes away and so there's you know you you can monitor and watch it a little bit if you really enjoy that kind of thing there's a lot of other ways to track it out there there's so many great tools I mean there is a there is a plethora of tools and sites and graphs and all of that that you can you can watch that a little bit as well but having that and that might help your confidence to know okay as soon as this these lines cross roads and that fatigue starts to go down my fitness is going to go way up and that's what you're what you can have, pull a little confidence from if you're if
0: you're struggling with that. Totally. Yeah. Um and but I guess to your point on the other side I've definitely overcooked it uh, with myself and with athletes where you kind of push out a little bit too far and everybody's a little bit too gung ho and then you know, the things don't kind of, there's not quite enough recovery time and show up races a a little bit too tired. So it is definitely a balancing act where, yeah, you need to kind of um, make sure that you're, you're going to get that timing right. And, um, and yeah, shed that fatigue in time and time for racing.
1: Yeah. I have and you know, knowing your athletes, I have some athletes where complete rest, is really important. They need absolutely complete rest as they head towards a race and they mentally and physically really freshen up well. And then I've certainly, and this can be a a little bit of a game of trial and error, whether you're self-coached or with your with your athletes i have other athletes that need to kind of keep ticking it over and just touching just a little on the different energy systems to be able to as they freshen up but to hold on to the fitness that they need to by the time that they get to the race without feeling flat and so you figure out through trial and error and and you know experimenting those things what type of athlete you are i had you know i have some athletes they hold on to fitness for a really long time and the fresher they get with full rest days and more sleep and just really coming around they get really fired up and they race really well off of that and they you know really are are really ready to go by the time they hit the start line even if that even if that like fitness is dropping just a little bit it doesn't drop as steep with them and the freshness that they get and the confidence they get from feeling good they race really well and then on the opposite end of extreme I have athletes that within five days they lose fitness so fast and they also kind of get kind of like that feeling of oh I feel really stale I feel really clunky I feel really bogged down everything just feels like it's kind of buried in molasses then those ones are the ones that we need to keep training ticking over just a little bit all the way to the race even you know even if they do go in a little bit more tired than what would look ideal on paper or in the data, but they actually race better that way. So some experimenting with that, knowing where that is for you and, and with your coach, then that's, um, you know, that's something to play with as well.
0: Um, since I know you like to uh, compare athletes and horses, um, do, do you have any um any any kind of like stereotypes of that or, you know, people kind of categories people tend to fall in for, which tend to do better in with like, uh, you know, actually some rest days and which tend to do better with the taking it over or almost like kind of mini build up into a race.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. Like, if hopefully no one, this isn't meant to be like an offended way of anything, but you call it like it can be taken the wrong way. You call it the thoroughbreds and the workhorses, right? <laughs> And so both both just great, but both just made up of different physiology, right? And so it tends to be that the workhorses and the ones that need a lot of training and they lose fitness quickly, those workhorses, they tend to need a, a little bit more into their races and can carry a bit more fatigue into their races and they'll race better that way. And then the thoroughbreds are the ones that, you know, they hold on to their fitness for a long time and you know you can dive right into it as if you did like uh, vo2 tests on them muscle fiber tests you know are they you know more fast twitch slow twitch all of these things we could we could dive right into the like the depths of all of that stuff but basically it's like the thoroughbreds tend to do better with a little bit more rest into their races so if you're putting a like a blanket picture on that statement. If you're like a workhorse type, you know, Clydesdale type, like I can just handle, I'm a plower. I'm a good worker. I need to work (laughs) a lot. I need to work a lot to get fit. And you know, and that those athletes tend to need a bit more into their races and um, yeah. And then again, not to, you know, neither one is better than the other in any way they're just different. And the, and the thoroughbreds, they tend to come out, come out flying when they've got a lot of rest
0: yeah for I'm, uh,
1: I'm going riding
0: tonight oh nice awesome yeah <laughs> uh, I'm quite
1: excited about that
0: <laughs> um yeah my experience is somewhat similar in that if if an athlete is kind of like a bigger muscular athlete then they tend to need to kind of stay ticking things over going in um whereas if someone has a little bit less muscle mass maybe they they can uh coast in a little bit more easily right right Um, but yeah, I, I think we could kind of, there's, there's a lot of ways to keep talking about this and talking about how people navigate it and how that relationship with fatigue changes over time. But I think it's a good, a good thing for people to kind of like be aware of and be thinking about and yeah, be talking about with your coach or, you know, be talking about with, with other people you're training with just to help, help really, uh, you know, learn those, those feelings and those sensations so that you can learn to interpret where you're at. And then you can kind of articulate where you're at a little bit better if you're working with a coach, uh, because it is like, you know, it can be a hard thing to really articulate. Well, like, you know, you, you use the phrase, people say they're, they're tired a lot. And it's like, you know, like we have to ask a million questions after that. Cause you saying I'm tired can mean a million different things. So really working on, yeah, like understanding where that tiredness feeling is coming from and what it is and then being able to have like a really educated conversation about uh how far down the i'm tired track are you are you too far down or are you okay um so yeah, yeah to help kind of navigate the the appropriateness of that fatigue
1: yeah and for the coaches out there listening get to know your athletes there's going to be ones that you're going to encourage them and teach them about what fatigue feels like and they're going to say it a lot so be careful not to pull the rip cord on their training every time they raise their hand and because you're not doing them any favors as far as their progression as an athlete and and you know learning that and getting better and being able to handle the training so watch that you're not babying them too much or pulling the rip cord too quickly on those ones and then on the other side is that the ones that are never say anything if they do say anything at all even just the <laughs> smallest thing Um, Make sure you pay attention to that. Don't I've made that mistake before where the, the tiniest little comment and it just flew under the radar so quietly that I didn't notice until they were quite a bit further down the track than what what would have been appropriate. So, you know, get improve your skills as a coach on knowing the difference of what those two things sound like. As far as in, if you're talking to your athletes or in writing. So you're really paying attention to not only their data and their numbers and what's happening in their workouts, but also I've had athletes that they can keep nailing the workouts even when they're exhausted. So you, their data might look great. But if they say one thing that maybe flies under the radar too easily, you needed to notice that and say like, ooh, actually we need a couple easy days here. So, so keep working on your skills as a coach with that as well
0: yeah just like so many things it comes down to communication, eh? Whoa. But,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, awesome conversation. Um, Hopefully people can take away a few golden nuggets from this. I mean, the main one is, I think if you're gonna do anything is that if you are having signs of you know more fatigue than what seems appropriate for three to five days, then start to pay attention to it. And I think if you roll with that kind of rule of thumb, you're going to, you can apply all kinds of things from this conversation and figure out where you're at and, you know, whether you want to keep it rolling or whether you're like, nah, I need, you know, anything that you can, you know, either rest or do two or three easy days and bounce back from you're in a pretty good place.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great way to end it. Thank you for your time, Marilyn.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. Great conversation.
0: Right.